0: Welcome to Trinity, Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. Here's what I'm trusting and I'm believing God for this week is that every person present will have an encounter with the living God. Perhaps that encounter will come as you're driving on the campus, up to the campus. Maybe it'll come at the doorway as you're greeted and walked in. Perhaps it'll come during worship. God will meet you speak to you, move in your heart. Maybe it'll come during the message as you fall under conviction and you'll hear the voice of the Lord. Or perhaps it'll be at the ministry time or maybe even as you're leaving or as you go from here and maybe have coffee with someone or a meal with someone. But that every one of us, from the least to the greatest, from the youngest to the oldest, counting me, Nancy, our family, every one of us have an encounter with the Lord. See, I think he wants to speak to you individually and purposefully. I think he does. Kathy, you were telling me earlier that your son, who has, we've been praying for, believing for, and asking for a long time now, right? I mean, almost as long as you've been here, has accepted the Lord Jesus. And yeah, (laughs) fantastic. Great news. Fantastic. So happy for you, Kathy. That's fantastic. And I just what I'm looking for is testimony after testimony after testimony of a move of God in this place, of a move of God in this place, Amen. Let's take just a moment. Just you bow your heads. And, as I invite the presence of the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your presence here. My Lord, I know they're angelic beings that are assigned to this spot, to this place, to these people. And Lord, they're mighty in strength and power. That they attend to your word to see that it's accomplished. And so, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the hosts of heaven. Lord, Lord, I just ask you to stir up now the Holy Spirit, stir up the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, the life of the Spirit. Just stir that up now. Or the gift of prophecy, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. That begin to flow in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This morning as I was preaching, the Lord spoke this phrase to me, promotion is coming. And I understood that to believe that it, we weren't talking about a job promotion, although that may in, be included. But promotion is coming. God's going to promote you in the spirit. God's going to do something this week in your life and in your heart that would take you to another level. In your relationship, another level of awareness of his working in your life, another level of his power, another level of his assignment in your life, that promotion is coming. And I believe that promotion is coming in the form of an encounter with God for you. In Isaiah chapter 6, we read about the encounter that Isaiah had with God. The Bible says that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood seraphim, that's angels. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. I think I remember where I was the first time I heard anybody preach on this. I hadn't been saved very long and I heard them preach on this. And it goes on to say that Isaiah fell under conviction that he felt as though that he was a man of unclean lips living in a, among a people of unclean lips. And that the Lord cleansed his lips by putting the coal from the altars of heaven on his lips. And then gave him an assignment. Isaiah is one of the most prolific authors in the Bible. And his word to us is so many times is looking forward to the coming Messiah. And so he has this amazing, amazing vision, an amazing encounter with God that really changes the trajectory of his life and changes his whole ministry. And as I was reading it this past week, I I was reminded that that's what we want for each other, a trajectory-changing life encounter. And so as I was reading over that, I went back to the first few words of the passage. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now, if I were asked for a poll tonight, I'm sure that there are a few that have heard of King Uzziah, but most of us have never made much of a study of his life. But in the year that he died, the encounter came. In the year that he died, God began to stir his people. In the year that he died, God began to restore the prophetic voice to his people. In the year that he died, God began to move. But it didn't happen until he died. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, we have the story of King Uzziah. In verse 3, it says that Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother was named Jekeliah of Jerusalem. You got to be a pretty tough guy with your mama named Jekeliah. She was from Jerusalem. Verse 4, and I want you to watch this very carefully. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. So many times you read through the kings of both Israel and the kings of Judah, and it's just one right after another that they did wicked. They did wicked. They did wicked. They did wicked. But here, in this case, the Bible says that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that he had seen his father, Amaziah, what he had done. Verse 5 says he sought the Lord That's why we're gathered here tonight to seek the Lord. That's what we're doing here, to seek the Lord. So he, like us, he sought the Lord in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God caused him to prosper. (laughs) That's a good thing for us to hear today, that if we'll make a lifestyle out of seeking the Lord, that God has a way to make us prosper. Passage that I read this morning from Hosea, you know, it says that, you know, is if we will do righteously, we sow in righteousness, the Bible says, then we will reap in mercy. And what that means is that if you'll do the right thing, regardless of what it costs you personally, but do the right thing, that God will cover your mistakes He'll cover those things that you have your hands to with his mercy. He'll help you out. He'll help you out. And so as long as Uzziah sought the Lord, then the Bible says that God made him prosper. God made him prosper. Verse 6 says, So he went out and he made war against the Philistines and he broke down the wall of Gath. Now, Gath obviously was the place that Goliath and his four brothers were from, the giants. He broke down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jebna, the wall. All these have spiritual significance. The wall of Ashdod, and he built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines. Verse 7, now watch this. And God helped him. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbal and against the Munites. Also against the Ammonites, he brought tribute to Uzziah. And his fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for he became exceedingly strong. From 16 years old, now he's become a young man, and now he's slipped into middle age, and he's become exceedingly strong. He's famous throughout all the land, all the way down to Egypt, all the way out to the Arab Peninsula. He's very, very famous. The Bible says that he built towers in Jerusalem, at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the corner buttress of the wall. Then he fortified all those things. And as he built towers in the desert, he dug many wells, for he had much livestock, both in the lowlands and in the plains. He also had farmers and Vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved the soil. He loved his land. He loved to see it produce and feed his people and take care of his people. I mean, he, would you agree with me? Uzziah's got it going on right now. I mean, he's got it going on right now. Moreover, it says that Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies, according to the number on their roll as prepared by Jael, the scribe, and Messiah, the officer, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. And the total number of chief officers of the mighty men of valor was 2,600. So he had this big army, but he had 2,600 men who were proven warriors, men of valor, men of courage. PROVED THEMSELVES IN COMBAT. AND UNDER THEIR AUTHORITY, THESE 2600, WAS AN ARMY OF 307,500. 300,000 MEN UNDER THEIR COMMAND. WHAT DID THEY DO? THEY MADE WAR WITH MIGHTY POWER TO HELP THE KING AGAINST THE ENEMY. Then Uzziah prepared for them, the entire army, all 300,000 plus of them. He prepared for them, watch this, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and slings to cast stones. And he made devices in Jerusalem, invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners to shoot arrows and large stones So, now we find out the second time. His fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped till he became strong. He was marvelously helped until he became strong. Creativity bloomed and blossomed during his time. It's amazing how he had the kingdom organized. But verse 16 says, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his own destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of the incense. This was a no-no. You had to be a priest to go into that house, to go into that place. In fact, you had to be the high priest to go behind the veil and burn incense in there. But now Uzziah had become so strong, he had usurped the power of the priests to go in there on his own. So Azariah, the priest, went in after him, and with him were 80 priests of the Lord. They were all valiant, courageous men, and they withstood King Uzziah. They said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense get out of the sanctuary for you've trespassed you have no honor from the lord god then uzziah became furious and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense and while he was angry with the priest leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest of the house of the lord beside the incense altar And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead, he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper, and he was cut off from the house of the Lord. I call this story the sad saga of Uzziah. Started strong, but he ended pitifully. He ended pitifully. And if you'll let me tonight, I want to say this, that Uzziah's life is a metaphor for the affluent church in Dallas in America. It's a metaphor. This... Is a natural story that's really happened, there's really history there, but it has a spiritual implication to it. And as I was reading, it, I just went back to see Isaiah's encounter with God, and, I, and I, that phrase in the year that King Uzziah died, it hit. Why was that important? Why was that stuck in? Why didn't you just start with, I saw the Lord? but he tags it with the idea that in the year that Uzziah died, then that's the time I saw the Lord. And I believe that Uriah, this wayward king, is a metaphor for the affluent church in Dallas, Texas. And that would be me and you. Be us. In the beginning, you see he did what was right before God. And so many churches, they start strong, right? I mean, they start strong and doing what's right before, the, before God. They sought the Lord, and God prospered them. He engaged and defeated the enemy. He had so many things going on that were right. And God helped him against the enemies. He raised up over 300,000 men who made war with mighty power. And his leadership fostered great creativity. His fame spread far and wide. I don't know if you can get in your mind what the Middle East looks like. But you've got Egypt down in the southwest kind of corner of the region. And then in the far east... is is the Arabian Peninsula. And then in uh, the nearer east, you've got what's now Jordan and uh, Babylon, which is now Iraq, all those places. His fame stretched from the opening of Egypt all the way through to the mountains of Iran and Iraq. The Bible says he was marvelously helped by God. Obviously, God liked this guy, liked what he stood for, liked what he was doing. He liked it, and he was marvelously helped. I love that phrase, by God, because that's what all of us want to be, marvelously helped by God. But there's a little tag on it, until he became strong. You see, there's something that happens to us when we begin to think that we have arrived. We begin to think that we got it together. We begin to think that we know really what God wants to do and how He wants to do it. And we begin to think that our role in that is either very important or indispensable. And His heart was lifted up, and He transgressed the Lord. And as a result he got leprosy on his forehead he lived isolated and alone the rest of his life because pride destroyed his leadership and leprosy overtook him now hey it's just us in here right I mean there's a few people watching us on the internet maybe more after I say what I'm about to say but I wouldn't so much worry about the church down the street as I would about the church in here in this room. About the life that's sitting next to you, sitting in your seat. Think, well, you know, gosh, we're, you know, every one of us is affluent. I don't care how much money you got in the bank, we're affluent. Every one of us, right? And something happens when you begin to feel and enjoy that affluence. You lose the edge. And you begin to move from the intimate relationship of where you obey the Lord and walk with Him and trust Him and have a fear of God till God becomes your Santa Claus and just somebody that you pray to when you need something. Or want something. King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper. For he cut off. He was cut off from the house of the Lord. I believe that this passage is talking about an infection that one gets. A slow growing infection that is a real thing that one gets called leprosy. But I think it has a spiritual parallel. A spiritual parallel. And I believe that a proud heart is the spiritual parallel to it. Because spiritual leprosy and spiritual pride are exactly the same thing. And I just want to just talk a little bit about that. This condition of not natural leprosy because we can go get antibiotics and get healed of that, but a spiritual leprosy that we can only be healed by repenting, by becoming aware that we're operating in it, that we're living in it, that we're infected by it. And I believe that spiritual leprosy, that infection is a proud heart. One of my sources of information Is Google. I'm a little nervous when I use Google because I don't know if they're spying on me or not. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. But according to Mr. Google, there are five natural symptoms of leprosy. Five major natural symptoms of leprosy. And all of them, I think, have a spiritual implication. The first symptom is it, it is an infection of the mind. Yeah, it's an infection of the central nervous system. And the Bible says that the leprosy broke out on his forehead. It did break out on his hands. We see that Jesus healing a man who had an had arm that was, had leprosy on it. It broke out on his forehead. It's funny that when you have something on your head and you don't know that it's there, you can't see it. But everybody else can. That's how spiritual pride is. You can't see it, but everybody else can see it. broke out on his forehead. It's the disease of the mind. It's the deception of believing that you're okay, that you're right. It's that spirit of questioning everything, your faith, the sovereignty of God, the Word of God, your morals, and you find yourself more and more cynical, more and more critical, more and more selfish, more and more judgmental. But it's incremental, so you don't really recognize it. You cannot see it that well, but the people around you see it. They see it. It's an infection. You're infected with it. Begins as nothing but a very teeny, tiny, small, microscopic germ. And it grows into something that overtakes you fully and completely if you don't treat it. The second natural symptom of leprosy is numb, numbness, loss of feeling. Think about that this morning, this evening. You no longer sense or feel the presence of the Lord like you once had this relationship where you felt the presence of the Lord. I, I remember when I first came to the Lord, I, I mean, it was like a, you talk about a honeymoon, man. I had a honeymoon with God. It was amazing. And um, <clears throat> I remember uh, when this song came out, um, it wasn't Sandy Patty, it was, uh, who? No, Fort Twyla. Anyway, it's, the song was, Give Your Praise to the Lord. Give your praise to the Lord. Amy Grant. Amy Grant. Come on, everybody, stand up and sing. One more. Hallelujah, give your praise to the Lord. None of you know that one, but this is way back in the day, brother. I remember hearing that for the first time. I was in my living room. I was sitting, I had a recliner. I was sitting in the recliner reading the Bible, and that, that song came on. And I began to get up and dance as hard as I could in there. I started tears running down my face, dripping off my chin because I felt the presence of the Lord so strong. I wanted to worship him. But as this spiritual leprosy, this pride begins to take over your life, you have less and less and less of those. I'm not saying that all that's bad because part of the Christian life is living a convicted life. We're going to be, whether we feel it or not, we're going to serve God. But it's a whole lot better when you feel it. Yeah. It's a whole lot better. So you lose this feeling as a numbness. You lose your passion. You lose your compassion for others. You find yourself going through the motions, but there's no real substance because you're numb. You're numb because your focus has incrementally and slowly moved from the things of God to the things that are more pressing. Things like making a living, raising kids, and making your mortgage payment, and those kind of things. Life catches up to you, and you start to begin to live on the fumes. Of what your relationship was like years ago. That's why when Jesus came and picked his disciples, there weren't any gray headed guys among them. They're all young guys. Said so John could have been 16 or 17 years old when Jesus called him. Why? Because there's something powerful about youth. Something powerful. When Jesus made his triumphal entry, he 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 said, Look, you'll find a young colt. It's never been ridden before. Bring him to me. And Jesus mounted a young colt that had never been ridden before. That's a prophetic sign that God's looking for young people that had never served him before because he knows that they will serve him with all their heart. They got they got no mortgage to pay. They got no car payment. They 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 got no uh you know. Kids, kids are awesome. I'm glad we got, man, their grandkids are really awesome. But you go through the motions, you begin to get a little spiritually numb. The third symptom of leprosy is there's a loss of your extremities. It's a loss of your extremities you know, how once you lose the sensation in your fingers and in your hand, it's easy to walk by the stove and touch the top of the stove because you don't feel that it's hot. And so many people that have leprosy have severe infections where they've done things like that because they didn't feel what was going on and they had their hand in the wrong place or their body in the wrong place. You have a loss of your extremities. And this spiritual implication is, you know, that, that sometimes with that loss of extremities, you forget and don't want to raise your hands. You see everybody else raising their hands, you think, I wonder what kind of Christian they really are. You don't want to shuffle your feet or dance. Here's another. You can't remember the last time that you personally got on your knees when nobody else was watching, nobody else was doing, and insult the Lord. Fourth symptom is weakness. This is really simple. Your prayer life becomes weak and anemic. Your witness is weak. You don't know how to talk to anybody about the Lord. There's nothing going on particularly well in your life with your relationship with God. It's not bad, but it's just not much there, so you don't really have a testimony of something new to tell anybody. You keep going back to the old, well, what happened to me 20 years ago or 30 years ago. There's a weakness. Your witness is weak. Your prayer life is weak and anemic. And the final major symptom of leprosy is it affects your eyesight. And you begin to judge everything by what you see in the natural. And you feel because you see that in the natural that it's right. And you feel that you're right. And the way that other people see is not right. You have no room for anyone who has an opposing thought. Thought. You can't talk to anybody. If you, it's like this. If you're Republican, you can't talk to a Democrat. If you're Democrat, you can't talk to a Republican because you're so close-minded that your way is so right and their way is so wrong, you have nothing to talk about. And your eyesight is poor. You judge everything by what you see rather than having a meaningful relationship with people that aren't just like you. So tonight, I have a real simple conclusion to all this. That if we are going to have a life trajectory-changing encounter with God, then we need to do business with God tonight by repenting of our pride. You can't see it. It's hard to repent over something that you can't see. But what I'm going to ask the Lord to do is the Lord to really begin to expose it. I've shared with you some of the symptoms of it. And I'm praying that if there's a symptom here that you're dealing with, that you'll have to deal with it or not be able to sleep thinking about it. Yeah. But I think tonight, as we consecrate ourselves for the week, we set aside this week. It's going to be a phenomenal week, guys. I mean, it's going to be amazing. It begins tomorrow at noon. Dave Larley will be here leading us through communion and then praying over us and prophesying over us. Every weekday this week from noon to one, he'll be there, be here. And each evening, it's gonna be powerful time. Each evening this week at 7 o'clock, tomorrow night, Paul Mason will be here. Paul is a pastor in a little city called Seguin, Texas. And they're experiencing revival there. I, I, I'm just telling you, he's got one of the fastest growing churches in the state, if not in the country. It's, it's amazing what's going on there. He'll have a great word for us. Chris McCrae from Sojourn Church will be here Tuesday night. Wednesday night, we have three of the most powerful women preachers in our church going to be preaching here. We're going to give you all three of them. Call it a three-by-ten. I'll have the gong. When they hit 10 minutes, I'll gong <laughs> What well, they're going to do fantastic. And then Thursday night, Jurgen Metesis is going to be here from San Diego. Those guys are experiencing revival there. And then finally, Jake Sweetman from Los Angeles will be here. Jake is about 32 years old, and I promise you, he eats fire for breakfast. You're going to love him. And so, I just believe we got a great, great week. So, so as we sanctify the week, as we set ourselves apart, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to convict us of any pride, any spiritual pride particularly in our life, and that God would deal with it, because it wasn't until Uzziah died that Isaiah got the revelation. It wasn't until Uzziah died that Isaiah had an encounter with God. It wasn't until Uzziah died that Isaiah's life changed. And so until we kill the spiritual pride in our own heart, we're not going to have the encounter that we desire in our lives. we got to put it to death. we got to put it to death. This morning I told you about Samuel who took his sword out and hacked Agag into pieces that's what we got to do to spiritual pride pull our sword out, the word of the living God, pull this out and hack spiritual pride into pieces this week when you read your Bible you should trust God, believe God come and pray with us every day, take communion every day, it's one week out of 52 weeks surely we can find a way to be together one week out of 52 weeks in a year, surely we can do that And I believe if we will, I believe God will move and do something great in our lives. Amen? Amen. You ready to set this time apart? Let's all stand together. Thank you for being here tonight. And I want to thank all of you who are joining us tonight on the live stream. Thank you for being here. I got a text this morning from one of our missionaries in Africa. She was asking if we were going to be on the live stream. And so there are people, right on, not just around town, but all over the country and all over the world that are standing with us and watching us tonight. And that message is just the same for you as it is for all of us. Because I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to convict us. That's what he does. He convicts us of righteousness when we're right with God. He convicts us of sin when we're not right with God. That's his job and we set this evening apart and this week apart, I'm trusting God He's going to meet with you. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you would, just take both hands and put them in the air like this and say this with me. Lord Jesus, tonight I surrender and I set this week apart to be with you. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to bring conviction of every area of pride in my life, spiritual pride, that's like leprosy, Lord, deal with it, show it to me, help me put it to death in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. He's amazing. He's awesome. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to dive deeper in today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community, as well as around the globe. Visit us at TrinityDallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas.